0: The Grassroots Network Summer Podcast Series has been generously underwritten by Turnkey Vacation Rentals. Turnkey Vacation Rentals is the first truly owner-centric vacation rental service now available in the Roaring Fork Valley. We handle all of your short-term rental property management needs, offering superior service and high returns. Turnkey's straightforward pricing and transparent business model make it easier for you to earn revenue from your rental. Proprietary technology provides a smoother, more efficient experience for both travelers and vacation rental owners. Trustworthy local staff provides support around the clock with true full-service property management for homeowners and their guests. For more information on Turnkey Vacation Rentals, contact Mark Viola at mark.viola at turnkeyvr.com or call at 970 970- Turnkey Vacation Rentals supports the Grassroots Network in your community.
1: We were talking about um, the seminar you led yesterday called The Fear of Food. Mm. Why do you think uh, people in this country have a fear of food?
2: That's what I'd really like to know. (laughs) I think the, I don't know why this, I think we've kind of gradually been moving into it. We had the, I think during the 60s we had the with the, the 60s revolution, we had the young people who went into organic food and, and the fear of pesticides and so forth. And I think it's gradually grown from there. And then we had nutrition rearing its ugly head. <laughs> and then we had all this talk about coronary heart disease. And then cholesterol. And I think cholesterol has been a, been a very handy word, like no cholesterol, bananas. And, and actually, it turns out that but cholesterol is only one and a rather minor factor among all the other things that can cause coronary heart disease. Uh, among the two worst, I understand, are smoking and high blood pressure.
1: And you, Julia, are not embarrassed one bit to use um, butter, cream, and salt in your cooking?
2: I, but I very much agree with what the good nutritionists say is moderation in all things. And if you're moderate on everything, You don't have to worry about anything. But also is that I think it has been very useful to point out that you shouldn't have more than 30% fat oil in among your calories, and that one third of that can be saturated fat. So in other words, if you're doing about 1800 calories a day, you can have six tablespoons of fat oil of which two tablespoons can be butter or one ounce, and you should enjoy every mouthful of it. As a matter of fact, you should have it, or you won't be processing your vitamins. And I'm convinced that a nervous stomach is not going to digest things well, and that I think you're infinitely worse off if you're afraid of your food than if you are. the, The information on nutrition is perfectly available, but we seem to prefer listening to radio and television ads. Well,
1: how would you describe the difference between the French culture and the American culture towards food and wine? How would you describe that difference?
2: Well, I think in France, food food, and wine are a national sport. and That's a nice, <laughs> nice way of looking at it. There's a very interesting article, which all of us foodies like very much, appeared recently called The French Phenomenon. It appeared in a medical magazine. You've probably read that, haven't you? That Why is it that the French, in their wonderful food and wine, have far less coronary heart disease than we do? And they don't seem to have the fear that we do. But I don't think the French, on the whole, overeat. I think a very few people are like addicts, like alcoholics, overeat. But in general, they don't. And you don't see these grossly fat people in France that you do here, and the question is, is it because they drink wine, a moderate amount of wine with their meals, or does the cheese have something to do? In other words, they have much less coronary heart disease, and I think we've all taken encouragement from that. But it, well, I think at all oh, the key is moderation. Moderation. And a bit of everything, and you've got to watch, you know what your family medical history is, and you have to have the four food groups, and watch your weight, and exercise, and enjoy yourself. Is the main thing.
1: I think you hit it there. No. Enjoy yourself. No. Tell me, in 19 um, early 1960s, on uh, a public t- TV station in Boston, mm-hmm. you started the show The French Chef. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were breaking new ground then. Was how exciting was that? At that time, we, at that? That
2: time we did, there weren't any there weren't any cooking shows at all on television, and WGBH was of the educational chain, and it was mostly talking heads, like you and me now. <laughs> and they thought they like to have a little action. And I, my first book had just come out, and it was reviewed on the television, and I made an omelet or did something like that. And they got quite a few letters saying, well, why don't we have a cooking show? And the station said, well, doodle, would you like to try three as a pilot? And so my husband and I said, sure. We hardly knew what television was at that point. And then it turned out there was a real audience, and we did 13 shows just on borrowed tape. <laughs> and they went over well in Boston, and then I think Pittsburgh was the first to take them, then San Francisco, and finally New York, and we were launched. And so there was nobody cooking on television for I think about a year until the Galloping Gourmet came along, and then we, now we have, gosh, I don't know how many cooking shows
1: yes uh i the local station in denver by the way still carries your show the french chef the,
2: the repeats yes I mean, we had dinner the dinner series and the company series and everything there's well, it's a lots of fun I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it and i think television is a marvelous teaching medium It's just it's just it doesn't supplant books i think if you're going to learn any kind of a how-to thing you have to have the book but having the actual being able to see how things are done, is just marvelous.
1: Has anyone um, uh, encouraged you to uh, um, go to videos? Have you thought about doing any oh, we, videos? We have,
2: we have six one-hour teaching videos. Okay. But I think none of them have gone over very well, none of them, of anybody's, except for Paul Prudhomme, because I think he's very entertaining, uh-huh. and Jane Fonda, because he's doing it <laughs> on the living room rug. Well. But I think there are two things that are hampering videos one is that you we, we need an, a small video cassette player that you can take. So if you want to fix the toilet, you want to have it right there so you can see all the mechanisms. And well, the second thing is you need instant access, say, in a cooking show, like vegetables. Do like you see Marion Morris? She's the Victory Garden cook on the Victory Garden. Uh-huh. And she has a very, very good video on vegetables. It's an hour and a half, but it takes a long time to get from carrots to potatoes using fast forward. <laughs> so I think nothing really yes, is going to, I don't true. think teaching video is going to take off until they go to video disc. I see. Because with that, you can have instant access. But they still have to have a small portable cassette or disc player so that you can take it anywhere like planting the tulips or whatever
1: you're going to do. Yes. Well, Julia, we have two wines here. I want to taste these with you. This is a, um, um, mm. a Riesling Trimbach, and it's the oh. 85. Well, and I, uh, I understand that you have a project called the American Wine. It's
2: the American Institute of Wine and Food.
1: Okay. Tell us about it. It
2: was established in 1982. Hmm. Oh, that has a I don't think Alsatian wines are terribly well-known in this.
1: They're not, and, they're delicious. and aren't they outstanding? And I
2: don't think that, I've, I know one or two Rieslings that are, that I like from California. I think Heights makes a good one, but I think mostly they're too sweet.
1: Yes, and that's what I love about these.
2: In, in our American Institute of Wine and Food, it was established in 1982, and it was Dick Graff of Chalon Vineyards and and I, We're all at a dinner party together, and we were saying, well, why don't we have some kind of an association or something where wine and food can be taken as a serious art form, which they really are, gastronomy, in other words. Uh And that was when we decided we'll start an institute. So we all got together in Santa Barbara. We have from all over the country. We had Alice Waters and Jeremiah Tower and... Jim Beard and everyone you can think of. And we all got together and we formed the Institute. And it is composed of, of, of professionals in the wine and food business, like the growers and the cooks and the wine people and the distributors, and passionate consumers like you and me. <laughs> and anyone can belong, which is a wonderful thing. It costs $60 a year just for ordinary people. And we have over 5,000 members, and we eventually expect to have over 30,000 when we flan, flan out everywhere. We have 17 chapters. We have one that started in Denver, and we're going to have, I think I understand that we're going to have one in Aspen and Great. somewhere else in Colorado. But the wonderful thing about it, the chapters are that they're to extol the virtues and the pleasures of each region that they're in. And the chapter is the strength of the organization because we have wine tastings and food tastings and seminars and dinners, and then the institute itself has a great big conference on food once a year, and then small conferences. Where is that held? It depends. It's been held all over. We had one in Chicago, and we've been in, I don't know, Dallas, Santa Barbara, and other places. And we have a journal of gastronomy, beautifully. I wish I had a copy of it here. It's a beautiful, beautifully printed, small magazine. It looks like a book that comes out four times a year. And we also have a newsletter. And we want to get right in on the problems when we have problems like the alar apples or nutrition or something like that so that people can turn to the AIWF and try and find out what's true. And we have an 800 number, which I will now give you.
1: Okay, please do.
2: It's 1-800-274-A-I-W-F for American A-I-W-F. Institute of Wine and Food. I'll give that to you again and please, do. people didn't get it <laughs> I can tell
1: you've done TV before, Julia. <laughs> please. Well,
2: it's 1-800-274-A-I-W-F. And if anyone calls up that number, they'll... They'll give information on how you can join and where the nearest chapter is and so forth. It's a really wonderful organization. Serious, but great fun.
1: Uh-huh. And, and, I,
2: and I hope that with you know this festival that we're having here, I hope that, that with the one and food magazine, the AIWF, can cooperate with them and that we can all join together. My idea is everybody do everything together. Sounds uh, great.
1: Sounds great. Tell me, uh, this is a Riesling from Alsace. Uh, uh, obviously, you've spent uh, time uh, in France. You were a graduate of the Cardin Bleu cooking school. Mm-hmm. Um, That's good. What like would you, if you were going to have that wine with dinner, uh, what dish mm-hmm. would you think of preparing uh, with that?
2: Well, of course, I think the Riesling goes awfully well with fish dishes and, and light dishes, particularly mm-hmm. with I think it would go very nicely with, a, with something like a salad niçoise. You'd be very careful not to put too much acid in the dressing, but it would be it's a lovely summer drink, too, isn't it? It's it is. Mm. It is.
1: And uh, I must tell you, uh, you said the salad niçoise. That's one tape that I have of yours at home. Oh, That you do? was done in France, right? Oh,
2: I'd l- I love a salad Where niçoise. Where you went
1: out and shopped and picked all yeah. the things out in the market and then took no, them home sets. and prepared them mm-hmm. and... Uh, it's interesting it that, you fun, that you mentioned
2: know. that well there are many reci- there are many recipes or ideas for salad Niçoise, but i've always liked the uh, ideas of Escoffier the best and Escoffier came from right around Nice so that we could believe right. him and he, he must I just he's my, my hero really
1: I was going to ask you who no. who is your inspiration? who do you see as your mentor uh, well, besides have, Escoffier? who do you have Well, um?
2: I had some wonderful when I was in France at the Cordon Bleu, I had a wonderful old chef. His picture's on the jacket cover of my volume one of Mastering. He has a big gray moustache and a floppy chef's hat, and he was a—he was just a wonderful teacher. He started out, you know, when he was twelve years old, and he, then he'd run a—he'd been in the transatlantic steamers. He'd worked in London with Escoffier, and, and then he had his own little restaurant. And by after World War Two. He, he was in his 70s, so he decided to teach, and he, would, uh, he was a wonderful man. And then we had a, a pastry chef, Claude Tillemont, who had worked at the Café de Paris, and again, one of the great old practitioners of the good classic cuisine, of which there's nothing better. It's interesting to me, too, that no matter how trendy things become, the good old classic techniques still hold.
1: That's one thing I wanted to ask you. Thank you for bringing that up.
2: Try Noir, Let's try maybe. the
1: Pinot Noir. This is a Rodney Strong, Rush, uh, excuse me, River East Vineyard. And this is an 85 vintage, Julia. And where is this well, from? This is from Sonoma County.
2: Uh-huh. I, th- I think this is delicious. I like yes. it.
1: Yes. Um, the Nouvelle Cuisine, I think, in some ways, um, has a wrap only has gotten a bad rap for because of small portions, but they did introduce things. No, it things. wasn't for
2: that. It'd be, I think it was wonderful, the Nouvelle Cuisine, when really fine, well-trained chefs did it, like Michel Garard. and it was beautiful, but when mm-hmm. you get somebody without the training who tries to mess around with that kind of food, it's a disaster. <laughs> Inept Nouvelle is what we call it.
1: <laughs> Inept Nouvelle. Yeah. The idea of al dente, mm, of this,
2: what do you this think? this has a very like a Burgundy nose to it, doesn't it? Yes. Now it smells the way it should. I think the color is a little purplish. I don't know what that means.
1: Yes. Well, this one has been but, open for for here. some time. This is an eighty-five. Mm-hmm. Um. That's very
2: good. It tastes the way it should. It Taste because I'm a, from Santa Barbara. Like I like the Santa Inez County very much. I mean. Setting well, it tastes as good as some of ours down there. It's a a very nice wine. I don't know these, but it tastes the way it should. It has that
1: earthiness. Do you think it has that earthiness?
2: A typical burgundy taste to it.
1: Yes, which is sometimes for California Pinot Noirs, that's very unusual.
2: Well, not for the good ones. I think that they have to have that taste or they're not right. At least I'm used to very good ones like Chalon and so forth.
1: Yes. Uh, Tell me. the idea of uh, the Nouvelle Cuisine that brought in, uh, say, the nice presentations and the al dente mm. vegetables. Does well, that, they're uh,
2: terrible, I think, the al dente vegetables. Okay. As my hero Escoffier said, like with a perfectly cooked green bean, it should have a certain amount of texture, but not exaggerated. And I think vegetables have to be very, very carefully cooked with a great deal of attention paid to them because there's only about a minute or less at which they're perfectly cooked, not overcooked, and not undercooked. Because if you undercook a green vegetable, you, it, its flavor hasn't developed as a cooked vegetable, because it's either raw or cooked in my vocabulary.
1: Yes. Um, the staff has submitted a question, which I agreed uh, quite uh, early on to doing, and they said I should ask you, um, have you taken offense at the Dan Aykroyd impersonation at all? No,
2: we love that. I, I have. They kindly sent me a tape of it. I think Did it was they? terribly funny. We thoroughly enjoyed it. Save the liver. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you are definitely a jewel, Julia. Uh, we have um, one or two minutes left. Um, what would you like to say to um, the generations uh, coming into the cooking industry now, and and the people that are beginning their careers in restaurants? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I think, I think it's a wonderful profession, and you never can learn enough. I never have talked to a fine old chef who didn't say, well, every day I've found something new. It's so creative, and, and there's so much to do now. I think it's also we want the food to be, to be healthy and correctly done. And what I like about it, I like, I like all the people in it. I mean, because if you're not in it, unless you love it, and it's just, it's fun to be in, and it's like a great big camaraderie. Everyone who's in it seems to know him or her other, however <laughs> you pronounce that. So I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and I, and it's like the whole field of gastronomy that has so much to offer. It's, you have not only cooking, you have teaching, you have uh, the food chemistry, and you have recipe development, and it just goes on and on, and there, it's also in, interdisciplinary discipline if you would say that yes so that's it has to do with sociology and geography and everything but mainly it's just a fascinating fascinating discipline and you can never tire of it and i'm very much in favor of having the people who intend to be leaders in our in our in our discipline to have a very good education and i hope that in the very near near future we'll be able to have Uh, degree in fine arts, gastronomy. Because, for instance, if you have people who are restaurant critics and food critics or people who are managing hotels, they must know, they must have a good culinary background because if they don't know how good food is supposed to taste or how it is made, they really can't direct people. And they can't write about it if they don't know about it.
1: Uh, obviously, your your uh, your passion is the um, American Institute for Wine and Food.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, any other projects that you have uh, maybe put on the well, back burner that, that you're that's my
2: that's my main interest. And I'm very much interested in education for young people. I'm tremendously interested in Planned Parenthood and good government and preservation of our land and of our food.
1: Well, Julia, it's been such a delight having you. Uh, if they were going to make me king for one minute, I would make you the first night premier grand cru of cuisine in well, this country.
2: That's lovely of you to say. Thank you so much.
1: Would you sign off the show with the same sign off that you did for your French chef show? I Would
2: say. you? Here's to everybody. Bon appétit.
0: The Grassroots Network summer podcast series has been generously underwritten by Turnkey Vacation Rentals. Turnkey Vacation Rentals is the first truly owner-centric vacation rental service now available in the Roaring Fork Valley. We handle all of your short-term rental property management needs, offering superior service and high returns. Turnkey's straightforward pricing and transparent business model make it easier for you to earn revenue from your rental. Proprietary technology provides a smoother, more efficient experience for both travelers and vacation rental owners. Trustworthy, local staff provides support around the clock with true full-service property management for homeowners and their guests. For more information on Turnkey Vacation Rentals, contact Mark Viola at mark.viola at turnkeyvr.com or call at 970-319-2145. Turnkey Vacation Rentals supports the grassroots network in your community.